You're listening to Small But Mighty, the podcast of the Small Nonprofits Alliance, the online hub for Australia's small charities. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Crocker, founder of the Small Nonprofits Alliance. Today on our podcast, we have Novella Corda with us. She's the founder of Key Into Australia. Novella has over 10 years' experience in the development sector, particularly in women's empowerment, education, and community. She relocated to Sydney, Australia, from her hometown of Mumbai in India in 2015 and was soon facing her own challenges of isolation and being in an unfamiliar place. But rather than let it deter her, Novella was inspired to support other women like her. Hi, Novella. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast, Bianca. No worries. I'm excited that you're able to join us today. Um, First of all, to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your own experience in your life that initially um, happened when you moved to Australia and what were some of the challenges that you faced? Yes, I, I moved here in 2015 and I came uh, with my husband who, you know, who, who, got, who found work here and he came to his company and initially we thought we wouldn't stay. Uh, so I continued working for my organization back home um, and then, um, you know, we and I got pregnant, I had my um, son here and then, you know, um, yeah, then we kind of decided to stay back here and but I, what I realized was that um, for me, that experience, like, you know, the f- initial first years was was quite isolating. I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Now, the only people that we knew were from my husband's work, um, his colleagues. And, um, and, I, and I think I lived in an area where I don't know, uh, it was really, I felt it was really hard to meet people. Uh, initially, I didn't think much about it, but then I... Um, I remember this experience where I had to, uh, I wanted to have a christening party for my son and I didn't know whom to invite. I didn't know anyone. And I felt, and that was like, um, uh, for me, I think I come, I come from like, you know, back home where community is very big and I had a full life. I'd say I had my work, I had my friends, I had my family. And suddenly over here, I had reached this point where, um, I felt like I had to do something about it. And mostly for my son, I didn't want him to grow up, um, you know, without knowing anyone. And then I, um, and I think it started, then I started really reflecting on what I had been doing with my time and, you know, um, and, and really the issues um, and wh- what was it, why was I in this particular situation? And I started talking to a lot of people and, um, and they told me about their experience and there were similar experiences of people feeling that disconnection. Even if you'd move from Melbourne and uh, to Sydney, you'd feel like, you know, uh, you're starting all over again and um and I think yeah and I just started thinking more about it and uh, and from my background and I'm always looking for solutions uh you know so I was like what can be done and yeah that is how you know that was the initial yeah initial few years yeah yeah wow um I I understand what you're saying I guess in regards to the moving thing I moved I live in Melbourne now but I moved from Melbourne um, to Queensland, I don't know, about 12 years ago now and, and lived away for about eight or nine years, I think, in total. But um, I moved there with my partner at the time 
but we didn't know anybody. We just went there for a lifestyle change, not for any work. We just really liked um, the beach and, and the warm weather um, and surfing and all that sort of stuff. So we moved up there. But it, I, it did take a real, you know, it took a real long while to settle in and to find people that you could call your friends, I think. It does take a while. And I remember reflecting on it with friends in Melbourne, like if I talked to them on the phone, and sort of saying, wow, it's really hard to make friends as an adult, you know, because you kind of don't have a play date or, you know, those sorts of things. So it can be, there are a lot of challenges to it. So, you know, and I and I remember at the time thinking, wow, how do people move countries? I, I'm only moving, you know, interstate um, and, I, and we speak the same language and, you know, all those sorts of things. But I think it's um, super courageous for people to move countries, that's for sure. Um, so thanks for sharing that experience with us. And it's, it, um, as, you know, as we'll sort to start to talk about now, we get to learn more about how your experience has sort of really started to help a number of other women. Um, I understand that you met your organization's co-founder, Maya, while you were both um, feeling a little lonely and going through similar experiences, but you only lived a few streets away from each other. At what point into this friendship did you start speaking about the idea of supporting other, you know, the other hundreds of thousands of women in Australia who face a similar type of um, situation? Yeah, I um, I remember meeting Maya in the playground, um, you know, her, her her daughter and my son are nearly of a similar age. And I remember that the first meeting, um, uh, I, I remember I laughed so much. I had such a great time. We had, had such a great conversation. I felt, oh, my God, this, this, this is somebody who really gets me. Because by that time, my confidence, um, you know, had taken a real beating. I think, um, you know, my work was everything uh, till date. And then I wasn't working here. So I think, like, that was a big part of my identity and 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 like yeah, I was I wasn't really feeling like confident, and um, I wasn't really feeling yeah I don't know. And then she was this woman who was act, um, you know, who was friendly, who was smart, and who we really had a great time. Uh, and we and we started and we started talking to each other, and you know, had met over play dates, and uh, and I remember and you know, Maya always told me about these fantastic ideas that she had. And I always told her, you know, and I always told her, you know, start something and I'll and I'll help you. And start something and I'll, you know, start something. I'll, uh, and then, and I don't know, and this this one, uh, and then she was moving from here. She moved from my, my suburb and she was moving to another uh, suburb. And I remember the last day we met and, I, and I, I told her, you know, let's do something together. I know you have this idea. And she said, okay, let's meet uh, at the Custom House Library in Sydney and next day or next week we met in the um, in the library and we started talking about about this whole idea of connection and inclusion and we were both very passionate about building community and I and we we you know we had our first like professional meeting over there we were with our laptops and we <laughs> were talking about these big ideas of changing the world it was very but you know and then that conversation led to really other great meaningful conversations um, our ideas are evolving all the time. Uh, what we initially thought to what we, where we are now, there's been a lot of changes. And uh, but yeah, yeah, that was the start of what we, uh, yeah. That's when fabulous. So it really grew from from the from a library, a conversation <laughs> in the library. That's so exciting. Um, so the organisation that we've been um, talking about is called Key into Australia. 
And you both founded the or formally established, I guess, the organisation, I think, in 2019. Um, So what are some of the key programs that you offer and how has COVID-19 and, you know, various lockdowns uh, changed the way that you work? Yeah, so we've got... uh, We've got three programs. Um, One is uh, our program, which is about social connection. And that's where bringing people from women, especially, is actually only for women from diverse communities and backgrounds together. Uh, We do a whole range of social connection activities and events. Um, We have our signature program called Friendship Cafe, where women uh, meet in cafes and, you know, just talk and make friends and connections. Um, And we've now spread that program into different suburbs in Sydney. Uh, So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to reach out to more women who are feeling uh, disconnected and, and, you know, who may need that support and friendship. The other program that we run is an employment support program. And uh, a lot of migrant women, when they move here, they find it really challenging to find work. There are lots of barriers towards, um, uh, you know, finding employment. There's gender, there's race, there's uh, language, there's, you know, your education. There's so many uh, barriers to uh, finding work. And so we run uh, a mentorship program where we connect um you know, migrant women with more established migrant women who have found professional success uh, here in Australia and they go to a program uh, where they do, you know, a lot of work on their CVs and, you know, interviewing skill, but also a process of self-discovery and really what they want to achieve and what they want to go. Uh, but a lot of it is that networking as a support in the employment program. Mm. And the third program we do, which we call Welcome Buddies, which is largely a community connection program And that's where we want women to get involved in the community. And we only believe that when you get involved, you belong, you know, you feel that sense of belonging. Um, So we do trainings and workshops to help people uh, find ways of finding their inner strength, their skills, and also how to give back to community. So, yeah, these are programs. And, yeah, we, we started in, we registered in 2019. And then with COVID, you know, we were talking about the social connections and meeting people and and then we were in this lockdown and how does that happen like you, um i i remember i remember being awake one night i think early when we were in lockdown i was like how do we stay connected how how do we continue uh, and this, and when we were talking about isolation, we were talking about this small group of women who were feeling isolated, and not everybody started experiencing that. So we've moved our program. Uh, we got some support from the city of Sydney. Uh, we got a grant from the city of Sydney to move our entire program online, and we worked out a system of how to create uh, this, how to create our friendship cafe online. It was, um, yeah, it was quite fantastic. It was a really, um, it was a moment of learning and um, you know realization that it was this was something everybody was experiencing. So mm-hmm. we opened our program to not only new migrant women, but to everyone who was feeling, um, you know, who was who was just looking for that companionship and friendship. Yeah. yeah. And was that open, uh, was that still only women that you were yeah. in those groups? Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Women, but they could be from any background. It didn't matter yeah. if they were from a different yeah. background. Yeah. 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 Wow, that sounds fabulous. It's, it's so interesting with the timing of, of you establishing the organisation and starting to do the work and then, like you say, then we go into this global pandemic where everyone's having lockdowns and and that experience, I think, of um, social, social isolation is really heightened. So 
you probably couldn't have had better timing, you know, for the work <laughs> that, you're, that you're doing with the with the people that you're doing, which is, yeah, which has been fabulous. Um, you know, I think that sort of, you know, does make us think about obviously social isolation and, you know, I'm, I strongly believe this in various experiences I've had in recent years. Social isolation and loneliness are really one of the biggest challenges I think our community faces, um, especially, like you said, with migrants and refugees coming into our country but also with our ageing population. Um, you know, a lot of our seniors are living alone and they don't they may not see someone, you know, if they're well enough to look after themselves, but they um they may live in their homes but still not, you know, maybe only see one person a week or, you know, the neighbor might wave to them across the street or something. But so that whole issue of social isolation and loneliness is really a problem. And I think the global pandemic um and, and the various lockdowns that have happening, I think probably have really highlighted highlighted I think the fact and probably in an unusual way given you know many of the ordinary people or ordinary Australians an insight into some of those challenges that people otherwise might not usually experience that social isolation but everyone kind of um, got some insight into that. Um, So what would your best piece of advice be for people who may be living in the community and want to try and support others that are perhaps experiencing isolation or loneliness? What would be some of the things that you would suggest for them to do? I always say that, you know, do not undervalue the the power of a smile and a five-minute chat. You know, I think that that's, that's the start. You know, you have, if, um, I, I, yeah, I just feel that if people were more approachable, uh, you know, it would make real you know, that's the first step, I think, in building community and building those connections. Saying that, I also would say that, you know, fill your cup, you know, like I think when you're, when you, um, you know, when you have, you're happy and when you're doing things for yourself, I think that reflects and, you know, you can spread that more to, more in, to people. So when you've had a good day or when you've been, you know, when you've done something that's really meaningful, um, you go out into the community and when you have, when we need smile, you know, some, just at someone at the lift in the, or in the lobby, that just ripples that, that impact. And I feel that there is, yeah. So fill your cup and then, you know, it overflows to other people. But, but those are things you can do at an individual level. But I also feel like as a community, we really need to get together and, um, make space for people, you know, oh, be more welcoming, make space for people and make space and time for uh, others, others who are vulnerable in the communities, like you said, you know, people who are seniors or, um, you know, newcomers. But I also see youth going through this whole, uh, you know, I think that's another big challenge that we are facing, that a lot of young people who are sitting at home and feeling totally disconnected on their laptop, like, you know, playing video games and, and yeah, I think I think that's yeah. You've got to make you've got to get involved, and you've got to really take this on. Like we we are, I think we are in in a really uh, in a like you know a pandemic kind of situation with isolation, loneliness. It's ha- it's ha- going to have really la- lasting impacts on health and um, you know physical and mental health. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really great advice, Novella. Thank you. I think the that's really simple as well. The idea of just giving a smile is so easy. And I think sometimes people are so consumed when they're, you know, in their own lives or in their own things that they've got going on and, you know, 
today's life, most people have quite busy families, work, children, parents, whatever it might be. Um, or, you know, we're walking around with looking at our phones rather than looking at the people that are around us, you know, in, like you say, in the lift with us or in the lobby with us. Um, and I think by that idea of just offering that smile, that then does create a more welcoming sense. So if someone does want to say hello, they're more comfortable to do that. And then you can have a few minutes conversation, which I think does really help. But yeah, that's really, really um, some good information there, I think, for everyone to take on board. Um, so thinking about your organisation and, and um, the work that you do, I'm sure, you know, over the last few years, there's been many, many hurdles that you faced. But what do you think has been one of the biggest hurdles that you faced? Um, and how have you over how have you been over to how have you been able to overcome it? I think COVID was one big challenge, but, you know, we've spoken about that. The other thing was that, you know, when we started the organization, we were very, we were very enthusiastic. And that I think that's what lots of, when you start organizations, there's lots of passion, lots of enthusiasm. Um, we were very lucky. We, we got a couple of grants to get us started. And we were like, you know, I, think, I don't know with the timing. I don't know what we wrote, but I think we got some grants. But the last few, the, I think, yeah, the last few months or yeah, six months, you know, we haven't been really so successful with grants. And uh, I think that's been a challenge for us. So we're really are working, we're, you know, learning, attending as many seminars, conferences, seeing what we're doing, but also seeing that how and sustainability is really something that's at the back of our mind all the time. How do we keep this going? How, how do we keep this sustainable? So we're really working on looking at a social enterprise model or a fee-based model um and yeah that's something that we're you know really work wanting to work towards and that's keeping us awake most nights so yeah, mm, yeah definitely I think that's a that's a challenge that a lot of small organizations have as you know part of the small non-profit alliance we are often talking about fundraising or financial sustainability and different ways to do that and diversifying your income. So while grants and those sorts of things are really good because you can get usually larger amounts of money um, for, you know, 12 months or more to help you deliver the work, sometimes it is about, okay, well, what else can we do around that to support that um, you know, what other sort of avenues of fundraising or, like you said, self-generated income through whether it's a fee service or a um, social enterprise type model. But, yeah, I think that's a lot, um, something that probably many of our listeners can resonate with. Um, I'm sure, of, of course, as well, there's probably many rewarding aspects of the work that you do. I'm sure you've met really incredible um, and wonderful women from all walks of life sharing stories and things like that. But is there is there one particular highlight that has really made you smile in all this um, work that you've been doing? Yeah, I, I think for me it's that when, um, when people, when members get involved, uh, for me, that's, um, you know, it really makes my heart sing. I, um, I, when I see uh, after a couple of weeks, people really taking on that ownership and saying they want to get involved or they start doing things, um, you know, going out of their way. And I, I really feel that that's, that, you know, like I feel that that's for us success because that was what we wanted to do. And, um, and, and I know that, our work goes on, but um, because of the uh, because of the kind of commitment and involvement our members or our participants or mentors bring in, so it's fantastic. It's like really, it's really rewarding when I see that happening. And mm. um, yeah, so for me, it's just that 
when people take ownership and it's you know ownership and they become part of and they yeah and they feel part of what we do yeah I can imagine that would be that would be really great and that I guess that ability to be able to have um, someone come in as a participant and then over a period of time you know really take ownership like you said start supporting others um, sort of helps build the community in itself and people are able to give back after a period of time because they're that's their way of connecting as well which is a really nice sort of um, you know sort of complete circle that sort of comes together there which is lovely. Um, so what are some of the plans over the next few years for Key into Australia? What have um, you and Maya got, you know, got on the cards? What are your hopes and dreams for the next few years? So, you know, our aim is, uh, of course, to better lives, to, you know, improve economic participation and so social participation of, um, of women, um, you know, who moved here. But largely we want to see, you know, we want to really see social connection. When we say social connections happening, we want to see, we really want to see that diversity and inclusion, um, you know, alive. We, I don't, it just doesn't have to, the words, um, you know, everybody speaks about diversity and everybody speaks of being included, but really the, um, when we see, when, our, when, when we see the power of people coming from different backgrounds and different connect, uh, communities, different ages coming together, you know, that's really powerful. And we want us to be a living example of that, really a living example across across Sydney, across suburbs, across Australia. So we really want to see this message that we talk about, this social connection and social cohesion really spread across across Australia. Maybe it takes a different form because we're so, you know, we like we're just, so there's so early stages it might develop into something else but that's what we want we hope that that's really the outcome of this mm. the work that you started yeah that sounds great so it's really about getting um just really about getting people involved I think not just talking the talk I say you know like really being socially connected to others and really having that sort of lot in just inbuilt into our lives rather than it being a program or a or an activity that someone does it's really just part of it so it's part of our our um our entire community and just um who we are which I think is a really lovely a lovely goal um ambitious goal but it's lovely and I think I think (laughs) you guys are already doing some so many great things I'm sure you'll be well on your way to achieving those goals Um, thank you thank you no worries. And so, Novella, one of the last questions we always ask our guests when they come onto the show is what does being small but mighty mean to you and your organisation? So, you know, being a small organisation, I always think this, the, the um, non-profit sector and the smaller organisations are at the forefront of innovation and adaptation. I think because you're small, you're continuously innovating, you know, you're trying to find that space, you're finding, trying to find the gap. So I think that is, um, you know, and our impact with kind of the kind of resources we're working with, the kind of support we're working, our impact is amazing. Um, you know, even if you'd look at the ROI, that's what we do, but I feel that, you know, we're so small, but that impact is and that is mighty. So I feel that uh, we're doing some, we're doing, and you know, with a small organization, you can really, um, you know, you can really um, implement, you you know, there's so, it's easy to take decisions. It's easy to uh, kind of, uh, yeah, it's easy to implement. It's easy to make changes. So I feel that that's really a strength. Um, it, it's also very easy. I think that strength is about, 
inspiring people and sharing this passion because again small organizations started with right a lot of passion so yeah that's um so i feel i'm back is my tea yeah that's so exciting and i i you know i agree wholeheartedly with everything you said about small organizations one of the reasons that i'm really passionate about supporting them and making sure that they do really well in the in in their work and in the area of the world that they're supporting because like you said so many of them are doing some really incredible things and they are at the forefront of these things so i think it's important um and it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody every organization of a small every goal of a small organization is to become a big organization because that's not necessarily what it's about it's about doing the best work that you can do for the community and the cohort of the population that you serve so and something that we see um you know that I sort of hear when you talk about your work and when I read about all the work and that you're doing with women across Sydney and hopefully into the future in other parts of Australia as well so I thank you so much Novella for not only your time today on the podcast but also for all the amazing work that you've been doing in the community with women connecting them making them feel part of our community and giving them that sense of belonging so thank you so much Thank you. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small But Mighty. 